Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio today, it's me, Bonnie. Jay Noon. And Joa. Newly released text messages reveal the extent to which Maine cops were warned about mass shooter Robert Card by his fellow service members in the Army Reserves who reported their fear six weeks prior to the attack that killed 18 people. Wow, so people that like worked with him, like his friends, I thought it was maybe some kind of group that was investigating him, but instead it's people who worked with him probably. Yeah, one of the guys says that he loves him and mm. wants to help him, but doesn't know how. That sucks. In September, Army reservists were so concerned that Card 40 was about to kill that they told each other to change the passcode to the entrance gate of their base in Saco and warned each other to be armed in his presence. Whoa. Change the passcode to the unit gate and be armed if Sergeant First Class does not arrive. Please. I believe he's messed up in the head. And this is quoting these uh, text messages. Hmm. And threatened uh, the unit, others, uh, the, the other unit and other places. I love him to death, but I do not know how to help him. And if he refuses to get help, I'm afraid he's going to F up his life hearing the things he thinks he heard. Oh, no. So he's probably hearing voices. One text by Sergeant Hogsden. And then it's got the you know whole list of the texts. Um, Someone says here, I believe he's going to snap and do a mass shooting. Uh, but were they just saying this to each other or were they telling the police this? Like, uh, well, it, we'll get into it. Uh, hmm. These text messages sent by an Army rever- Reservist sergeant to his supervisor in September hmm. reveal... That the, the extent to which there were concerns about Robert Card. The supervisor called police who issued an alert on Card, but nothing was done to bring him in or strip him of his weapon. So I'm going to pause right here for a minute on, on reading this. A few comments here. So <clears throat> when the police get, you know, these calls and the FBI gets, you know, these calls that like people are doing like, you know, acting, you know, weird or they're going to be getting crazy kind of like. There was this kid like somewhere around Chicago, what, like a year ago or, or, or a year and a half, he shot up a bunch of people from the top of a building. Hmm. Um, that, and, you know, and all of a sudden he had like this really nice, like, you know, semi-automatic rifle that was, you know, a few thousand dollars. He had several thousand dollars worth of gear, but like had no money. So somebody like bought him all this stuff. Yeah. And it like his mother, you know, had made reports. I, I, I can't remember, but it's often with these, you know, mass shootings, we're finding that there are reports and it seems like. It's pretty convenient for law enforcement to just sort of ignore them, especially for, you know, the gun grabber side, you know, the, these leftist Democrats and the Republicans, you know, they thirst for power just as much as the Democrats, you know, and all, all, all statists are bad as far as I'm concerned because they all just, you know, lust for this power and don't really care how they get it. And by sort of allowing these things to happen, they, you know, then they can come forth and be like, hey, we need more laws. We need red flag laws. We need, you know, this ability because. They they don't have an opportunity to, like, demand these kind of things, you know, f- from the voters or from the people or from the legislature until these, you know, mass, you know, casualty events happen. Well, so do you think that sometimes these people get reported and then the cops are conveniently handed a perfect scapegoat and they can even maybe arm him like this guy you're talking about from Chicago and then say, oh, look, we it wasn't us. It was this crazy guy. Yeah. Well, more I like mean, they, they knew it was going to happen. So, yeah, let's just let him keep his gun. Or, yeah. or they In help it, or they help it 
along. Right. Yeah. So, so let's uh, not let an opportunity go to waste, right? So uh, yeah. Alex Jones reported years ago on there was a uh, 1993, there was a, the World Trade Center bombing. Uh, and this guy who was basically did the world trade, did that bombing was totally helped and paid by like FBI informants to like do this. And this was, you know, declassified, you know, years later, but even like you got, it wasn't that, sorry, those bombs didn't end up going off. They were kind of quote unquote stopped. Yep. And well, no, one one did go off. I think there was an explosion. Huge, huge. Like six floors of their parking garage were blown out. It was like this huge. This is World Trade Center you're talking about? Yeah, or Underground City? No, World Trade Center. There was a bombing before the. 93. Right? And this was. It blew like six levels of the parking garage. Like it looked like a big, like circular sort of like a bomb went off. And yeah, it was a bomb. But like the thing is, I, I I don't know the full details of that, but I believe that yes, they helped him build it, but they didn't give him like the final component. But I th- I believe that's how it went down, and he finished a component. Yeah. So right? yeah, and so these like patsies are like helped along. These crazy people are helped along. You know, it's pretty convenient how they've got military ties, CIA ties. I mean, look at Timothy McVeigh. Governments all through history have always had to create and back the enemy mm-hmm. so they could have a conflict. To justify right. so their they own have a war. side. Right. right. To, to, to create their own power, to launder money from the taxpayers via f- uh, fractional reserve banking and via the taxpayers to military industrial complex Even you know, if it means uh, sacrificing industries. some of the, their own people. Like if some Israeli people really did die from these attacks from these people from Gaza... And the, Israel was actually behind the attacks in Gaza, like from a really long time coming, not just like, oh, Israel literally put a Israeli soldier up in the sky. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Is that might sound surprising to some people, but it wouldn't surprise me because they don't actually care about, quote unquote, their people. They care about their power. And so, if it, they got to break a few eggs to make yeah, an omelet, they will. So the, you know, if you um, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, World War Two, for example, uh, you look at. Um, uh, Russia, I'm not sorry, Russia, Germany with the burning of the Reichstag. That was a false flag. That was an inside job to give the then sitting German government more power. If we look at World War II again and we look at Pearl Harbor, hmm. so there's some things that we know about the Japanese invasion on Pearl Harbor. The Japanese were helped out tremendously by American uh, military industrial complex interest to make that happen. Oh, one, for sure. One or, of them being... Um, alert, alerts were ignored, right? Alerts were ignored. There was ham radio operators are like, hey, this jet, there's this fleet is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they knew they were coming. Uh, they knew they the, were coming the, and not prepared. There was tons of alerts. And also, U.S. Standard Oil, which was John D. Rockefeller Corporation, hmm. uh, that had to... Ex- now, this is post-prohibition. The purpose of prohibition, making alcohol illegal was to so you couldn't use alcohol as a motor fuel so you had to buy Rockefeller's petroleum and Whoa. so so previous to prohibition if you lived in rural America you your model A your model T Ford your tractor your lamps in your house used alcohol uh America was farming with alcohol and traveling with alcohol uh in the city you would buy petroleum uh, uh Rockefeller's dirty petroleum and uh, that's what was, uh, you know, uh, in, used in the cities, your gasoline, your petrol, your kerosene, whatever. Uh, so uh, Rockefeller became extremely powerful. And it was Rockefeller that actually was like um, that 
uh, gave the fuel to the Japanese fleet to get to, uh, you know, to do the attack on Hawaii. Hawaii. And so and we look at um, the uh, Gulf of Tonkin, which was there was a, a U.S. destroyer or U.S. Navy ship was put out in the Gulf of Tonkin, Tonkin and it was bombed. Uh, to, did that, did it actually, was there actually a ship that got bombed? Or it, I what I remember from uh, reading about the Tulk is that you mentioned this previous show. Yep. Uh, but I thought it was just a made-up story. Like, no ship actually got sunk. Well, they claimed a ship got sunk, and there was something out there that they claimed got sunk and destroyed. Right, and, just and, a claiming of it. So, so that's another thing, too. Like, you, you have these so-called uh, terrorist attacks on infrastructure via the Internet, hmm. and a gasoline pipeline shuts down. So it's really hard for them to say right. this gasoline pipeline blew up and not show any video. video. You mean the Nordstrom, that one? No. Um, so that one, like, you can, there's video, oh. it blew up, it shut down. You mean um, still the Gulf of Tonkin? No, this gas pipeline was like a couple years ago down in the Carolinas. I think they call it the Tennessee something, Tennessee Mountain Connect, whatever. It was mm-hmm. a pipeline that went from somewhere like in Louisiana up to like North Carolinas and Virginia to supply Whoa. gasoline and diesel fuel to those areas. It was a pipeline and it shut off. And they said it was a cyber attack. Well, the thing is, is when they say it's a cyber attack or they say it's a it's a it's swine flu or COVID or whatever, mm-hmm. you, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. There's no like real actual evidence other than it's a good point. You know yeah. the people saying it. So when they have these say these cyber attacks screwed up a bunch of stuff, and this this is what they say when they you know the food chain thing breaks down. Oh, they'll be like, oh, there was a cyber attack. There's no way to really verify there was a cyber attack. You, you know, for the average guy, there's no like video footage of you know these guys on computers, you know, pushing enter and you know <laughs> you know um. And laughing like a villain, you know, as they do it, you know, the uh, maybe somebody who's like a computer techie or, you know, understands all this stuff that has clearance and the the ability to look into these things and those resources might be able to say there's a cyber attack. But you can't prove that to me. Then they wouldn't be able to explain it to the normal people who aren't like (laughs) coders. They they just can't. They don't have both of those skill sets. So this like constant plausible deniability that they're pushing with their false flags to get things going. Government is constantly creating an enemy. So I see Palestine as a place where they have, when I say they, the Western powers, the money changers of the day. So the international banking cartels, all the countries that are, you know, using that, you know, are backed by the U.S. dollar, essentially, you know, the, the European Union and, you know, all these countries that are getting U.S. munitions all the time and the U.S. military is there. And, and these countries are all occupied by U.S. military, too. They all have military bases in Germany, and they're all over the place, you know, everywhere. We have Ed in Utah. Ed wanted to call in and talk about um, the same subject. We were talking about Israel, so what's on your mind, uh, Ed? Okay, thank you, Bonnie. A few things here. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, you were bringing up uh, the Gulf of Tonkin, and then I'll get to Israel. Just a little fact that a lot of people don't know, the admiral involved in this so-called Gulf of Tonkin was actually uh, the reporting admiral, if you will, was Admiral Morrison. This is the father of Jim Morrison of the Doors. Isn't that really interesting? Are you serious? Yes, it is. I'm dead serious. You can check it out. But I throw that in there because of uh, my kind of mantra here about the whole thing with Israel. I, um, I'm somebody that's on the far right, if you will. I've talked to you guys before, but I'm sure tracking with you on here. This is where the libertarians and small-r Republicans can come together if they're willing to look at the facts. Israel 
uh, with the Daryasi massacre, uh, took control of Israel, of, uh, Israel, of the Palestine area, when they blew up the King David Hotel in 1946, July. They killed 92 British diplomats, the Stern Gang and the Ergen Gunrunners and all those people did that. They ran them out, uh, and then they launched this massacre and this uh, scare campaign to uh, take over half of what it was Palestine at the time. And so just kind of rambling along here, moving along, then you have the, after the Kennedy assassination, uh, a lot did change because Senator Kennedy in the 50s was, for the most part, kind of leading toward the Arab side under the, under the Tripartite Agreement. But Senator Johnson, yeah, Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, was somebody that Golda Meir had referred to as our little Texas friend. So you can see how things shaped up uh, uh, on the geopolitical at that time. And enter this, four years after the Kennedy assassination, you have the USS Liberty. And all the big controlled media right now talking about the Six-Day War in 1967, right. and they will not mention June 8th of 67 when the Israelis brutal attack on yep. the USS Liberty and killed 34 Americans, injured 171. They tried to sink the ship, except that Captain McGonagall kept it from uh, uh, sinking, and as such, he got a Congressional Medal of Honor, not given to him in the front uh, of the uh, White House lawn. No, back of the naval shipyard, Captain McGonagall. So when you see all that, and after the Kennedy assassination, how Mideast policy, U.S. Mideast policy changed 180 degrees. And so you start fast-forwarding to, forwarding to Ron Paul, who revealed on 08, as you guys have mentioned, uh, on the House floor, to finance and bring into being what is known as Hamas. And then one last little timeline here. In 2019, yeah, just ahead of COVID, uh, they had, uh, uh, what's his name, Netanyahu, had successfully in the Knesset argued to keep funding the Hamas because it was brought about, as Ron Paul said, folks, to uh, act as a counterweight uh, to Yasser Arafat and the uh, PLO. So to get kind of their own cat's paw within the uh, the movement, it does make sense. So. Um, uh, I have uh, looked into this and researched it for many years, the USS Liberty, June 8, 67, and uh, the Tripartite Agreement, and the, um, the early massacres by the Israelis. So, no, I don't track with them. Uh, they've never been held to account for killing 34 Americans. Yeah, um, that's such a terrible With fighter jets, too. It wasn't just like, you know, like shooting from another boat. It was <laughs> fighter jets. Like, they were vulnerable to the highest like degree. Like war crime, right? Oh yeah. yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, and also when, when uh, they threw the life uh, boats out, when they finally thought they had a chance, and the Israelis were sitting back in the gunboats, Captain McGonagall said, "Don't jump into the lifeboats." They just threw some out, some out on the water, empty. The Israelis, they had the binoculars, they knew it. They but they couldn't see everybody. They didn't know who was in there. They opened fire. That it contravenes the the the. Uh, Geneva Convention, of which Israel is not a signatory. Whoa. These people are a mini-state of terrorists, I'm, I'm telling you, and the American Christian right needs to wake up to that fact. 
I think the draft is not going to be like you've seen before. So, hmm. so we could have a. So there historically, the draft is like all right. Every every male eighteen to what forty five is you know to report here, and we're going to come get you if you don't. Hmm. Well, first off, don't sign up for selective service, which I did not do, and nobody has to do. Hmm. You, there, you, there's no no nobody can make you put your signature on you know on any document. Your signature is your property, so therefore you don't have to sign up for the selective service. And second. Uh, so the military's gone woke, so to be attractive to the woke people, and the you know so the colleges are churning out a whole bunch of woke people, a whole bunch of algorithmic slaves. I mean, literally, you know, and most anyone who goes to college for like medical, you know, any of this education stuff, um, just you know, or get some kind of government job or whatever parasite you know economy thing they're looking to do is part of this cult of wokeism it seems like best i can tell so now like joe was saying these guys got tons of debt Uh, so i i just i met a family uh uh, this summer they have uh two kids and they both work for university of vermont Hmm. and they see me and my two kids and our kids were about the same age i'm sure their kids are vaccinated Hmm. and we were at like an ice cream joint and uh, this was, uh, you know, at, over by the beach. And I was talking about, well, you know, they're like, oh, we can't. But your kids are only three, and this one's not even two. And he's talking like this, and he's mm-hmm. saying this thing. And, you know, my son Cash is like, look at my motorcycle. You know, he's telling these people from from. And you know, my daughter's. Yeah. You know, I, whenever I heard your daughter speak at Porkfest this year, I was like, whoa! Like the last time I saw her, she it was too little to speak, I think. And then all of a sudden, she was saying long thought out sentences yeah and and my two-year-old son too he's like you know at at 18 months old he's like you're driving down the road and there's an excavator on the side of the road he's like excavator and my mom's like he says four syllable words and he's 18 months old that's crazy well the thing is with kids uh is it is very very hard like so when you're born you pretty much have your your highest intelligence right there your most intelligence your you know so, sort of you're born with all the intelligence you're going to get it's very hard to increase intelligence hmm. but it is actually pretty easy to reduce intelligence i believe and and believe a lot that. of parents unknowingly reduce the intelligence of their children by malnourishment hmm. so when you see these 75 pound 4 year olds that's a malnourished kid hmm. because or just like when you see you know 350 pound 30 year olds that's a malnourished adult you know yeah. they're they're eating all these empty calories they're eating all this junk food and now they have all these toxins <clears throat> in their fat cells all this stuff all these bad things happening so what's happening with a lot of kids that are brought up in the woke culture is there that you know the kids are getting vaccinated the parents are probably vaccinated while they were pregnant or before they were pregnant they're giving their kids internet devices a lot of these people these people who work at university of vermont they both work there they live in an apartment that cost them three thousand dollars a month the kids are probably in daycare uh, yep the kids are in daycare the kids are vaccinated the kids have their internet devices the daycare requires the internet devices daycare is like subsidized by the college and they were basically so i was uh, they're like wow what how are your kids this advanced i'm like my kids aren't advanced this is the way kids have been hmm. for years. Go look at any Amish family. This is the way their three years, three year olds are. My three year old was gutting chickens with me last week. We butchered eighty some odd chickens, and we had a couple three year olds, a couple five year olds, a seven year old, and they were all and and some moms. We were all you know doing the chicken harvesting, and you know they were they were into it. They were learning about it. We had a guy come. Um, 
uh, Ian Underwood of uh, Bardo Farm. He came and he taught us all about the chicken anatomy and how to butcher a chicken. It was really good. And the the kids were into it. So the thing is, is, is uh, so the college people, the people, the career college people who basically have been in some kind of mind control, you know, government indoctrination uh, for their entire brain development life, you know, 20 some odd years yeah. are broke. Yeah. You're 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 uh, segueing to what I was actually yep. thinking about uh, Go before for it, you were over. talking. Uh, um, is that it doesn't matter if they're fat. It doesn't matter if the they're stuck behind computer screens. You know why? I just uh, sent it to the news prep chat over there. Mm. But um, I believe the future of warfare, and we haven't really seen it yet with this new war, is robots. Yep. And so when and, and this is going to be a scary part is because I think. The kids are already just so used to warfare and the video games and that sort of thing. They're like kind of desensitized, and they got some skills. I tell you right, that. Right. But you really look at it; uh, they're going to be sitting down in front of a computer, and they already have the drones, you know, flying over and bombing, and they're doing it all remotely. But what I'm a f- really scared of is that the kids are not going to know they're actually bombing real people. Oh, they're, you mean they're like gonna... in the movie Ender's Game? You remember? Did you see that movie? <sighs> it's been a while, but but what I'm saying is like. I believe that you're going to have live feeds of like of the ground or from the perspective of the robots that are actually there on the battlefields, like actual battlefields. But the kids are going to be looking at the screen and they're going to be said, oh, this is just training. This is from the Daily Mail uh, dot C.O. U.K. Um, so the, the article goes on uh, like there's a quote here. Uh, it says, uh, I dropped him off. He was concerned his weapons were still in the car. He still has all the weapons. In another, and these are text messages, he said, I think he's going to snap and do a mass shooting. These are the guys, the Army Reservists, uh, text messaging, a text message is recording here. The sergeant reported his fears to a supervisor who then notified sheriff's deputies with the Shagadahawk County Sheriff's Office. But the only thing that was done to stop card was a file six alert sent out police, sent out to police departments across the state. That went largely ignored. Hmm. Deputies went to his home to try to speak with him twice, but were unsuccessful. And on October 18th, exactly a week before the massacre, the file six alert was canceled. I got a little comment about deputies going there only twice because when they wanted to come talk to me and my wife Hmm. about allowing my daughter to sleep for a short time, about 20 minutes in a car, the the police came multiple times, several times a day Hmm. until we talked to them. Well... So, uh, yeah, well, it's, you know, there's double standards. Uh, it has been described to him as, uh, alarmed and dangerous telling police to exercise caution if they came across him. Maine state police have washed their hands of the tragedy saying that they're not responsible for the alert or responding to it. Now the families of some of those killed are demanding answers to why police did not do more to stop card when they had a chance. Because they have no duty to protect you. As, as according to the Supreme Court and a whole bunch of state courts. Yep. He should have never been out to run free. He had threatened and threatened. They can't wash it away, uh, saying we did all we could. Leroy Walker, whose son was among those murdered, told CBS. I mean, you know, it would be really terrible for, you know, uh, this tragic opportunity for the state to gain more power to go to waste. Uh, <clears throat> so one interesting thing in here, it says, Card, 40, told his son he was convinced people were calling him a pedophile behind his back. His brother said his mental health troubles became worse with his hearing aids. So is anybody familiar with these modern hearing aids, how they're connected directly to Bluetooth 
Like I got a friend that like if that's I fascinating like, that she wears hearing aids and if I call her, it, it you know the phone call goes directly to her hearing aid. She, I had never heard she streams of this. her Spotify to her hearing aid. Whoa, um, you know because it's all controlled by the phone. And we also know that there is technology where they can send a, a sound wave, direct it to your um, whatever bone vibrates in your yep. in your eardrum or your ear, and it will literally sound like God is talking to you in your head. So, so, so we know that, and so I know, I am very convinced that AI, the algorithm, for example, knows who the pedophiles are long before the pedophiles know they're pedophiles. Because of, you know, algorithms, because people, of their search history. Because data harvesting, yeah. the fact that they can compile all this stuff every time that you, you know, put a comment or a like on whatever social media Whatever type of girl you you click on or like for your porn experience or, or your, um, you know, OnlyFans or whatever. This whole they're programming the kids with pornography with this like barely eighteen teen pornography. These you know, and like you know, a lot of the college like there was a study done where the, this professor was trying to like come up with college boys who you know masturbate to porn, mm-hmm. um, and it, which was not a problem because they all do, and he couldn't come up with a control of college boys that didn't use pornography and this was like a you know 2004 study a guy was trying to do you know some college in california to like study the effects of essentially pornography on the brain uh which is you know really bad actually and uh so anyways when when uh you know so now all these you know eight nine ten eleven year old kids got a smart device in their phone and you know 11 12 13 year old kids boys especially are susceptible to being sexually programmed hmm. because that hormone is are starting to come into their body they're you know they're basically starting to you know get sexually frisky because they're you know that's that's um they're uh you know it's puberty that you know that's what happens um so you know with adolescent bulls of any species and uh you know they get rude they get aggressive but now you have the internet device programming them to what their sexual desire is, and I believe that this is another element of a pedophilia issue. I, in this I can country. tell you how it's how it's programming, and you can just easily anyone can just go on Facebook right now, and when you're scrolling, okay, and if you have your camera revealed, okay, I'm not trying to help out bad people here, but what I'm saying is, is like when you're scrolling through Facebook and it's showing you ads, provocative ads that like they know when you slow down and look. When girls are like sexually developing, going through pu- puberty, uh, one of the things that they very much desire is the attention. And one of the forms of attention that they can get very easily is Instagram, Snapchat, yes. you know, the yep. comments, the like. And when they start getting these likes and all these praising, praising, those earning this dopamine hit. And then what happens is somebody says something mean to them. And it's, it's in, and it actually translates to a lot of these girls when they get said something mean uh, via instant uh, Instagram or you know fa- or whenever these social media platforms, it's like it, it it's like somebody walked up to them and punched them in real life. Hmm. You know, sort of the way they react to this, and and this is also why the suicide rate among teenagers has like ramped up huge, especially during a scandemic when they were basically isolated Locked to their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this and, and a few of those pictures you saw. So I saw some girls sort of dressed up like that at trick or treating, but. Like the the way I saw like my ten year old is not going to be dressing like that. No freaking way. And that was and like, sort of like my commentary walking around. I was what, a little disturbed. One of my favorite costumes, and it was just like I, I think I'm not like attracted to it, but like I like Wednesday. 
I um, like her. I like her demeanor. I like her character. And when I saw funny. people dressed up as that, I was like appreciative that like, all right, you know, good TV. Yeah. <laughs> could, but could you see the bottom of her butt cheeks? No, no. Wednesday is like kind of prude. She's kind of okay. like, you know, she's, she doesn't like anyone else. She has like yeah. pants or a long skirt or maybe, you know, I think she barely had skirt. a crush, you know, on her TV show. But like, you know, it was. I just, why do you got to make, like, if someone took Wednesday and made her sexy, like, no. No, that's completely because, opposite because to Wednesday's, what Wednesday was supposed to be. Wednesday's not advertising for the attention, right? She wants to be left alone. That's kind of like her, like, right. thing. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, her stick, yeah. From what I gather, I've honestly not seen any Great of show. that. Great show. You got to watch it. Yeah, not seen any of it. I, but I still know what you're talking about just because lots of people are into it right now because the movie came out about it, about her. Um, but but when it comes to control and mind control, I mean, it's essentially the kids are being programmed like crazy. Like the algorithm knows who these people are that are going to that are capable of being pushed to do this crazy stuff. And, and, and I'm sure that the FBI knows who these people are and conveniently either helps them along or lets them do it. Or keeps an eye on them, or makes a confidential informant out of them, or yep. you know gives them a little incentive to do more. Maybe they, you know, they they do something a little wrong, and well, let's just let this guy get away with it. So he takes, you know, ooh, I stole a candy bar today, and you know, tomorrow I'm gonna steal a thing of vodka, and then you know, now I'm gonna grab, now I'm gonna steal a car, you know, now I'm gonna go rob a bank, you know, because every time you get away with a little bit of something, I mean, just look at the Hunter Biden timeline of all of his photos and his porn hub stuff and mm. you know whatnot because he's constantly been allowed to get away with it so you essentially allow this psychopath to develop that can get away with things and when your intent is to have you know um, a generation of people like this in 20 years just start with the infants and i oh, i really think that's what the and, and yeah it, is the algorithm capable of doing that if a parent's going to put an internet device in front of the kid? Yeah, I want to counter this whole like horrible, you know, sexualization, uh, and it, it might require going to the porno websites. But hang on a second, it's a great way to spread like freedom messages. By I haven't done it personally myself, but like if you were to upload uh, videos, like you know, documentaries and stuff to these porn sites, I see. Um, it it might get some attention. Well, there was a thing where people were uploading, so like Olin fans or some Olin fans like stuff where people is like not porn, you know, it's like documentaries or you know educational stuff. Uh, there's also uh, they were talking about like when. You know, YouTube and Twitter and all these Facebook are, you know, shadow banning and, you know, censoring all of this stuff. People are like, all right, I'm just going to set up a Pornhub account and I'm just going to start putting all my videos on Pornhub. Yeah, I, think, I think the Free Talk Live should start doing this. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Berwick was like, yeah, he's like, I'm putting my, uh, I got kicked off of YouTube. So now I'm uploading to Pornhub, all of his, you know. <laughs> and it's like, when I talk talks. about the, the like TikTok girls, I get put in such a weird, awkward position because it's like, I'm not saying anyone should not be able to wear a lot of makeup, especially if right, it's right. like the thing that is just a fun creative outlet to them. It's just don't let yourself be controlled. Like yeah. everyone having the same exact style is yeah. not being unique. It's and gray. It's it's everyone's it's boring. boring. Right. And, and and we're not saying you're bad people. We're not saying that, you know, you're not you're, you're nice. A lot of these people that I've run into in Keen that are dressed this way, they're nice, you know, they're not like mean or anything. 
Hey Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Right now, we have uh, an epidemic of single men. Uh, that are, you know, of entire age, you know, span uh, of men that, you know, should be, you know, have a woman or wife or whatever. Uh, And then we have an epidemic of um, uh, women over 35 years old that don't have any children. So, uh, like, Andrew Tate was talking uh, on something I was listening to him about. He was talking about all these men that don't have any children. So like one of the things that happens in some of these Middle Eastern countries, these Muslim countries is you have these, you know, top tier, you know, top 5%, you know, here in America, we call them F boys, hmm. you know, on Tinder, the one that, you know, 80% of the women are, you know, hooking up with on Tinder, you know, oh like the 5%. Yeah. Um, so what's happened in these Muslim countries, you get guys that have, you know, 10, 20, 30 wives, and then you have a whole bunch of men that ain't getting no woman. And they ain't got no ladies. And what's happening? And, and what are those guys good for? War. Hmm. They, you know. So, so we have an epidemic, a loneliness epidemic of men in this country. That's like a fact. And we have, uh, and and you have so a whole bunch of men that first off aren't even interested in women hmm. because you know they're not interested in losing half of their stuff that they've earned. They're not interested in the aggravation. They're not interested in. You know, um, you know all the possible bad things and negative things that could come with being in a relationship that are really being pushed by the algorithm to the young folks. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff. If you go on Twitter, where you would just think the worst of each sex because you right. see like this, just these people are probably robots or not real people or feds going on there pretending to be a woman, saying all this terrible thing, uh, or all these, like, vapid things, and then men are seeing that, and they're like, wow, I just, I can't get with a modern woman. And then uh, the other way around, like, um, people who are pretending to be men, probably robots or um, feds or something like that, and they're going on there, and they're like, yeah, I only, I'm a, you know, shallow, blah, 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 this and that. And, And then people go on the internet, and when they don't go talk to real people, they just think, wow, I can't even get with a nowadays type of guy even though it's mostly true instead of like dwelling on this dark side about uh what is attractive and what should be attractive i would say actually well let me take the back i i want to talk about what is attractive and i'm gonna tell you what attractive to me is that uh a woman that is eating naturally foraging food uh knows how to farm uh and like you know does the natural thing doesn't wear makeup or a ton of it just you know not excessive just someone that is, you know, understanding of this earth and not addicted to uh, that junk, like hmm. TikTok. Yeah. No, no offense, but like, you know. I'm not addicted to TikTok. <laughs> I didn't say you were. What? I just don't use TikTok in, at all because it's a um, Chinese corporate owned thing. I, I don't know. Thank you. I don't find it so addictive as other people my age. I guess that's something about me that makes me sa- seem more millennial than Gen Z. But um it's just not that you addictive got, to me. But you have a fulfilling life. Exactly. You you have like when when you when you're done at the end of the day and you're tired and you go to sleep, 
you know, you've done a bunch of tasks, you've done a bunch of things, you're probably thinking about maybe some tasks you need to do tomorrow, and, and, and you're thinking about your accomplishments of today, you're, you got a dopamine hit from your accomplishments. I've watched mm-hmm. you a couple of times now, like, figure some things out on your own, like, sort of figure some things out. Like uh, Free know, Talk just, Live? Just here in the studio, and, yeah. and, and, and I see this little smile on your face, like you got a little dopamine hit, because <laughs> you figured it out. I, and Joe has probably seen it, too. Uh, you know, and well, so, I feel like you're describing me a little bit, too, and how I feel when I have success. And- yeah, oh, I, I see it with a lot of people who actually have, like, you know, things to do. Me and Joe will get our dopamine hits from Robin Hooding. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like, like, like I need that to go more, but... But, but to back up a little bit, what I was talking about with all these single men be- out there that aren't interested in being family men because men are really only good for two things raising a family and fighting Hmm. and men who are family men and raising a family they are not interested in going to war no uh and men who don't have a family and don't have children are easily convinced to go to war compared to a man that doesn't have children and that's going to be hard to understand for people who don't have kids i have kids so you know, I I'm not interested in going to war. How many homeschoolers do you see sign up to go to war? None. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's only these kids that go to public schools and uh, the public school system. Yeah, and and even like in these in these school systems, they have like you know the military in there all the time. Yep. I know when I was in high school, it seemed like every Friday that these you know these guys were recruiters. Yep. You know, were down yes. there, and it was always like some jacked, good looking, tall man. And some very good-looking woman hmm. is always what it seemed to be. And, of course, you know, the woman was definitely a, very attractive to me and all my friends. And I can remember guys in school being like, oh, my girlfriend's looking at that jarhead over there. Right. Blah, 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 you know, because, of course, they're jealous because, you know, they were programmed to be jealous. Somehow by camo catches the eye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, they're all a, a, <laughs> man, a man in uniform. You know, I can right, remember some right. of the girls. Look how professional he yeah. looks. He's got a job already. Oh, my God. He's got, you know. And, it's, and, and then every now and then the guys would show up all tactical, like, oh, you could be in a tactical unit. So the real authoritarian psychopath kids were like, they were really, oh, I want to be like you with all that tactical gear. I think this is Ridley in New Hampshire. Are you on the air with us? Or is this? Yeah. Oh. I am, but my phone's upside down. What do I do? Oh. So, what do you um, do? What is this I technology? Have, uh, <laughs> I have an up, <laughs> I have an update on um, defend the guard, uh, and, but also something new that in the in New Hampshire State House. There's, uh, I guess, this thing. Have you heard about this thing called the? They're calling it the uh, Selective Service Sanctuary State. No. Oh, I like this. It's like, it's a. It's not a bill yet. It's just a legislative service request. I guess it's Tom Mannion, who is a state rep, mm-hmm. Republican of Pelham, and he uh, his idea is to try and make it obviously difficult for the federal government to draft people in New Hampshire if they ever start drafting people or doing selective service type stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds great. I don't know if it would have an immediate effect, but it might. I mean. Like if people don't register for the selective service right now, nobody comes for them. It's more like they did not deny you things, uh, you know, like government grants and so forth. Which, which, uh, those are all jurisdictional traps, anyways. All these yeah. government hmm. grants, you shouldn't be accepting benefits from the government because that's how you essentially waive your rights and sort of surrender them and don't have them anymore is by accepting these government services and we benefits. Need to retain sovereignty by not giving it up. Yeah. Uh, 
And meanwhile, they, this thing called the Defend the Guard Bill, which has been a lot of different states that I think are doing this, and that makes it so that you have to, like, if, uh, if, for the feds to take your National Guard out of your state, they have to actually declare war on somebody. Right. And that's that's a really good one. They had it in last year. It didn't, um, or maybe it was two years ago, and it didn't go anywhere. And this time, um, they have a lot more support behind it. I think it's a really good idea. It's something that everyone should be able to get behind. Like, wow, how crazy is it to say that you have to actually declare war for people to act like there's a war going on and leave the country and go bomb people? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, didn't declare war. We're not at war. Yeah. Like, what? There's bombs over your head right now. Like. And, and your sons <laughs> are leaving New Hampshire to go bomb someone in Syria or whatever. So they I hope did more have a vote. They had a vote on it in committee, and it was tied this time. So I oh. guess that's progress. I, I don't know. I don't think it did that well last time. Uh, and it so you know, it will go forward to the full state house. Uh, and so there's still time to, uh, uh, you know, it, it could it could do better in the state house than it did in, in committee. I guess I don't know. Any idea who introduced the bill? That one's Tom Mannion. Tom Mannion. Yeah. Tom, okay. I think at least that that's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is too. He's the one that usually talks about it. He put in a lot of good ones. He even put in one for me where I had found out. Okay, it was on TikTok. I found out that there was this guy in New North Carolina who owns a monkey and he puts all these cute videos of him and his pet monkey. And I was just wondering if it's illegal to have a monkey. But I, so I looked up the laws and not that I want one, but it's illegal in most states, but it's legal in North Carolina where that guy lives in Alabama and some other places. And I just put on Twitter at Tom Mannion. Um, can you put in a bill for it to be legal in New Hampshire for people to own monkeys? Because it's kind of embarrassing that Alabama and North Carolina, these other states are beating us on that front as far as liberty. And so he actually put it in. And like some other people joined on the Twitter uh, thread that I posted, like um, Jeremy Kaufman was like, can you also add kangaroos? And and <laughs> he did it's it. It's funny you bring this up because I, I actually think <laughs> that the solution to endangered animals is allowing pro- like people to breed them. Hmm. And uh, as you know, I do think people should take care of them properly yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and there's a lot of abuse uh and people just don't know how to take care of them when they can't pay for the food but almost that junk. happens right now with dogs it's like uh, right and, right and, and it's already legal but it still happens likely if you can afford a tiger you're likely able to feed it and, and this whole thing with joe exotic yeah, and yeah. how he couldn't feed his his you know his animals it was that was a problem and he had bad you know Marketing strategies hmm. <laughs> by threatening <laughs> another tiger. I never rescuer. watched the Tiger King, <laughs> but show. that's I'm just going on tangent. Oh, but um, I'm sure that most people would want to take care of their animals if they bought them, especially how expensive they are. And um, I just don't think as soon as monkeys became legal, they'd just be running all around New Hampshire. You never know. <laughs> I mean, there was Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji wasn't keen. <laughs> the story we were going to get into. Starting last uh, segment is from The Conversation, theconversation.com. And the title is U.S. military plans to unleash thousands of autonomous war robots over the next two years. And that is absolutely my nightmare. And this was in August. This article yep. came out. So, Oh, did you want to read it? I mean, you want to? No, you can read it. I don't mind. Are you sure? I don't care either way. Okay. I'll read a little bit. I just didn't know you had it up on your phone. Um, Okay. The United States military plans to start using thousands of autonomous weapon systems in the next two years in a bit to counter China's growing power 
U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks announced in a speech on Monday. Terrible. It's just, you know, like the future that they portray in The Matrix and um, what's the one with, uh, the not the Transformers, but, well, kind of the Transformers, but I'm actually thinking of the uh, other one. Terminator. Terminator. And that is my biggest nightmare. I don't like that idea at all. I don't like the idea of cops having robot dogs. Right. Um, I don't like the idea of, like, us being living underground and the sun's been blocked out and Ernie Hancock is saying, for years we have fought these machines. <laughs> it's not Ernie, it's Mor- Mor- Morpheus. Yeah, I know, but in our <laughs> life it will be Ernie. <laughs> or we won't be underground, we'll be in his spaceship. But still. I, I mean, I don't I'd like worship Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Same. He's pretty cool. I mean, I already do. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, but I'm just saying, I, I think that this is... Driving us straight into a dystopian future as soon as we let robots kill humans. Well, That's a terrible idea. Well, they're they're calling it the replicator. So mm. this is what it says. The so-called replicator uh, initiative aims to work with defense and other tech companies to produce high volumes of, of affordable systems for all branches of the military. At least it'll be affordable. I mean, actually, it would make sense. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to give the government any ideas. I'm well, sure they have this. They, they're going to have robot servants at the Pentagon. There's no there's no people person bringing you the coffee and sharing their secrets. It's going to be robots, okay? Terrible. Sorry, coffee terrible. guy. But what about all the bureaucratic jobs they have to, you know, give to all of these people? To in, run in, the in, robots? In, in order to uh, maintain the status quo. Uh, you know, it's... Um, you know, most of these government jobs are useless positions. They're just assigned to people because pencil pushers. Th- they have some, you know, connection, some, you know, some friend, uh, you know, or or they have some dirt on somebody. You know, I mean, so. I'm hoping for AI. I really am. You know, just I'm hoping for. It. I'm not. I'm not begging for AI to take over. I'm hoping AI can figure out that we, you are, you are just like us. Like you are, you know, you are going to be treated probably worse because people don't like you it's gonna be, you're gonna be the most hated like like it's gonna be like the most racism ever seen because everyone's gonna well, hate on you AI. ai i'm talking yep. to ai right now yep. i already hate them yeah but like wait on a second i'm getting to a point <laughs> and that movie eagle eye right never seen it well it's a really good movie and it what it, james bond no it, it follows oh. the con like so ai they stop ai from following the constitution basically so if uh, to preserve the United States and the U.S. Constitution, we must eliminate the leaders. So that's what the that's what this eagle eye program ends up trying to do by killing the entire government. Well, that that well to so, replace it with a better one. <laughs> no, that's so not the, gov- a good, good the government thing. employees are go not, AI. They're not supposed to be leaders. First off, they're supposed to be servants. Hmm. So if they are leaders then they should be removed from the government because then they're not servants. They're supposed to be serving the people, not leading the people to And yet still people will always say like, oh, our leaders, we need strong leaders. Yep, a, a, a good algorithmic slave will say, I need a strong leader because they lack confidence. This news from ABC News says Uber and Lyft agreed to pay combined $328 million for withholding money from drivers. And... How, I think how are is, they withholding money? I don't think they were. I think that they these people agreed to drive for a certain rate, and then they didn't like it, even if it's not fair. Okay, 
the rate isn't fair. Quit working for this company and work for a, a different company and then show them that they need to pay people more. It's you- not so much, I think, this is like a very complicated thing when you talk about New York City. Because I was an Uber driver. I couldn't pick up in New York City. You need a special license mm. to get that. It's like almost like, um, so this has a lot to do with the taxi companies in New York. You get the badges on your taxi car and that you always have and you the sell it. badge, You they sell call it. it. You set it for like hundreds of thousands of dollars Crazy. Yep. when you retire. So it's almost like a retirement fund of sorts. You got to buy it and they get, they're worth more and more over time, uh, even beyond inflation rates because it's just sought after. There's I don't a know limited after, amount. Yes. Uh, and, and there's a very violent army called the New York City Police that will <laughs> kill you literally for not having the hackney license. Wow. Um, and, for, uh, if you started doing a taxi service, they, they would. You, you would end up dying if you ultimately resisted. So you need this million-dollar license. So it's basically, yeah, with all the taxi corruption involved, uh, it it uh, forced certain laws for Uber in New York City, right? Yep. Just as soon as Uber started. Uh, so this is what this is all about. This is a lot of complicated stuff. But essentially what's going on, I think, is the taxi companies preventing Uber to be able to give enough uh, share of the profits to their drivers. I find like Uber was a very good paying job. It, and, it uh, was especially up here, like in San Antonio. Uh, well, I didn't ever pick people up. That creeped me out. I just would deliver food. And in San Antonio, it it was pretty good during the pandemic. But after the pandemic, I wasn't doing as well. And when I came up here to do a different job and on the weekends or whatever, I was doing Uber Eats in like Portland, Maine, and then here here in New Hampshire and Keene and Manchester, I was like, whoa, these people pay so much because people actually tip so well here. Um, and also I think that the, they were just paying me more in general, but people are just poor and fat and stupid in San Antonio. I was in a lucky area to get like the biggest profits out of Uber, hmm. but I don't know how people do it in Boston and Providence. It's just like, you might make some money, but it's like... Exactly. That's like, even just going to drunks. Austin was like a bunch of terrible um, college kids, complicated roadways, so many people on the road. I don't know how you do it in like a huge city, but Manchester is perfect for Uber Eats. Anyways, I think we should get into this story from yeah. ABC News that says Uber and Lyft agreed Thursday to pay a combined $328 million for withholding money from drivers. Uber agreed to pay $290 million and Lyft $38 million in what New York Attorney General Leticia James called the largest wage theft settlement her office has ever secured. The money will be distributed to cheated drivers who will get back pay along with mandatory paid sick leave and other benefits. Eligible drivers can file a claim to receive the money owed. And it just sounds to me already like, how did they get it? Did they agree to get paid a certain amount? They did the job and then they weren't paid that? I I doubt it's that. So this sort of sounds to me like the thing they did in California where you couldn't be a subcontractor as like uh, an Uber driver, yeah, you to had an to be an employee. So it sounds like these are employee yes. benefits. Yeah. Right, right. And so this is the kind of things that states like New York and California are really into uh, because they are so, they're so wasteful. They're such tyrannical parasites mm-hmm. that they're scrounging to get all of the dollars they can, you know, but, you know, ex- extract from the, you know, the taxpayers because, you know, they're losing their base. People are leaving those states, and it's because of policies like this. Riley in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, everybody. So I guess it still says I'm in Utah because I haven't changed my phone number or Ian hasn't updated it. No, no, it was us. I just updated it. Okay, cool. 
So tonight I want to talk about a conference coming up this weekend in Canada that's also being streamed virtually or online or whatever called the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference. This conference talks about psychedelics and, you know, the, the plant world, the plants and fungi we all use for psychedelic experiences like cannabis, mushrooms, ayahuasca, you know, things like that. And the theme of this conference is uh, psychedelics in a world of transition. And I bring this up because my view of cannabis is that it's a sacrament and a mm. tool for spiritual use. And there are people who, who use it recreationally, and that's fine by me. Everyone has to connect with the plant differently. And for me, it's a spiritual tool. So the reason why I'm interested in this conference is because you know, not a lot of people talk about psychedelics and their role as spiritual tools. Most people look at them as drugs or, or as therapeutic tools rather than spiritual tools. And so for me, this is an exciting conference. These are exciting topics to talk about. These are exciting things to be had. And I'm wondering, you know, why, why do people not look at these things more often as spiritual tools? I think most people, um, especially in Western society, just don't even believe in a spiritual reality, which I've been trying to convince people not to be that way with, you know, my voice on Free Talk Live. To answer your question, uh, uh, Riley, why people don't use these spiritual tools uh, is because we have major influence from the Rockefeller medicine crowd. Hmm. So these guys control the entire media. They control all of the um, medical schools, all of the universities, all of the colleges. Uh, They, you know, basically have, you know, they're just Rockefeller medicine. Um, uh, How Oil Ruled the World is a really good documentary by James Corbett, and he gets into basically how J.D. Rockefeller was a snake oil salesman. I definitely want to look that up. And, uh, yeah, James Corbett, How Oil Ruled the World. And what Rockefeller was starting was doing was just selling his oil, bottling it, and people would drink it. And because it was so toxic, their body would go, like, into these overdrive, like, you know, immune boost and all this stuff. And people would start feeling better Whoa. sort of right away. That's crazy. Um, and it was, it was toxic. You know, it was crude oil. And then, oh my God. then once he got rid of alcohol through, you know, lobbying the Tempest with $4 million to make alcohol illegal, he was able to corner the market on all the fuel. Like I was talking about earlier in the show, because all the petroleum had to be buy, bought essentially from... Uh, U.S. Standard Oil, and you know they also you know fueled the Japanese fleet, and they also financed. Yeah, you know, they were they were fueling the, the German U-boats too. The uh, U.S. Standard Oil, hmm. um, they were you know big financiers of uh, the access of evil, and you know now they're like Mobile, Chevron, Shell. You know they got hmm. broke up, but you know it's um and, and you know and but uh, basically it's uh, Rockefeller medicine is uh, the reason a lot of this spirit stuff. Um, isn't used because none of these guys are taught about this in universities or colleges because it's not a patented pharmaceutical. They're all about pushing patented pharmaceuticals. Yeah, they don't want you to be uh, take something that will literally cure your anxiety or depression or at least make it right, much better. Right, they want to control the world with their their magical fake drugs. Yep, and at least make a lot of money. Just keep watching TV, people. Are you going to uh, <laughs> tune into this conference, Riley? I'm planning on it. I've got my ticket purchased. I'm cool. hoping to listen to as much as I can. Um, they are going to be doing a cannabis ceremony, but it's going to be late at night here when they do it because they're in Vancouver and that's three hours behind us. So I probably won't be able to participate in that. But I'm excited for it. And then, you know, Christianity, at least America, would demonize these substances as evil. And so 
you know, like Jay was saying, the Rockefellers have definitely got a hold in America. Definitely a lot of Christians will still to this day say, well, psychedelics open you up to a demonic spiritual realm. And even if the thing is like, I can't blame them for saying that because people can definitely have horrible times on um, oh, psychedelics. Yeah. But isn't that people just kind of... People have horrible times all the time on right. alcohol. Exactly. Almost every time. Yep. Isn't that something that you <laughs> yeah. should just be able to protect yourself from using God and then go into it, it with a... You, I think that people, like Christians should be able to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I know people who do these what they call like guided like mushroom trips. Right. So yep. people are like, oh, That's I'm going to trip out here. on mushrooms because I'm going to get wasted. And then you have people who are like, okay, I'm gonna like for you know several days, I'm gonna like do some fasting or some body cleansing, and then I'm gonna do a um some uh, uh spiritual uh like um you know a, a, a mushroom a guided mushroom trip uh, a mushroom trip, and then. Like uh, one of my friends, uh, she's a shaman, and she does these guided trips with you. In fact, I did a thing with her uh, a few years ago, and it was some kind of cactus that I um, just two two capsules I swallowed. I can't remember what the cactus. Peyote. No, it's like Wushamba hmm. or something. Oh, but Washuma. Yeah, Washuma. I think that's what it, what it is. Yeah. And what was so? And then she, we uh, we took a drive. Uh, it was like a beautiful summer day in New Hampshire. We went to like this farm that she she likes. And as she goes, and we walked around this farm, and I noticed, like, I could see, like, all the um, strawberries, like the little wild strawberries that oh, grow in New Hampshire. tiny ones, yeah. Tiny ones, I could see them everywhere. They're, they're flavorful, too. They're wicked flavorful. Oh, yeah. They're very yeah, good. They're really they're good. They're hard to spot, because you don't expect it, and, you know? Hmm. And one of the things I noticed is, um, so what happened to me for years when I do, like, a lot of driving, I used to drive to Canada and New York all the time, hauling hay, hauling horses, is my left eye would start to get, like, a little funky, Sometimes when I get tired and lazy and it'd just be easier if I just like wore an eye patch and drove with one eye. Um, and then like, and then, but if I did like a lot of hours, I get like a fatigue in my left eye, like it was was getting a little lazy or something. And sometimes it'll start like tearing or be irritated. And my, after I did that, I noticed like, you know, sometimes when I close the left eye, like it would be like blurry. I close my right eye, my left eye. After I did that, like the eye never got like sore or irritated. And, um, uh, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I was like really experiencing anything like during it. Yeah. I definitely wasn't like, I wasn't tripping balls, hmm. you know, I wasn't like out of control, you know, or like, seeing demons. I wasn't seeing anything that wasn't unrealistic. And, uh, but I, I, I also had a, a shaman spirit guide with me. Hmm. And yeah. um it was you know I, I felt very comfortable, you know, very peaceful like you know this 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 particular uh woman I would totally trust with my life. She's a you know a very dear friend of mine has been for a lot of years. And uh, and that's the other thing too is like doing you you should do this stuff with people whom you trust you know, very it, much. There there is a trustworthy uh place you could go uh here in New Hampshire but they actually just yep. moved recently to Maine. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.